Welcome back to Mox Madness. Yeah, we are doing it again, doing guys. It again. We are reading books again. Read so books damn long again. since I had to read a book. It has been um, a while. It has been a hot second since I've read a book. Is, yeah. Hi. For those of you, because we're not releasing the current events episode that we just <laughs> recorded tomorrow, there is no way that we're going to get that turned around in less than 24 hours, you fools, you madmen. Uh, no, 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 no. So this is the first time you've heard from us since we came back from our break. Hi. We took a month Hi. off. Next week, you'll get yeah. the full decompression of us taking that month off. But for now, we're getting into the books. So we have books. last time on Reconstruction. <laughs> We did all of it. We finished yes. it. It's over. We're not doing yes. that. Anymore. We learned Linko was a dumbass. We learned Linko was a dumbass. We learned we learned why Republicans hate taxes. We learned why Republicans don't like taxes. Um, but that being said, we also are ready now to uh to to get our intro to Dubois. Or Du Bois. God damn it! I took a month off and my brain broke again. <laughs> I took a month off and I forgot how to say the goddamn guy's name. Uh Du Bois, Doctor. Doctor Du Bois. Uh Dr. we du Bois. are we are going to do uh, of Booker, of Mr. Booker T. Washington yes. and others, uh, to get a feel for the kind of vibe that we're about to get. Now, remember, this is again, this is well before Dr. Du Bois ha- had become radicalized, at least in the, in the Marxist sense. Sure, sure. Um, this is before, significantly before Black Reconstruction. It's in Souls of Black Folk, which is again mm-hmm. considered a seminal work. Um, but just know as we go through this again that we're, you know, as we're reacting to this. This is not a work from a fully, you know, radicalized person. So any of those views that, sure. that pop up. Well, we're just gonna know. That being said, I haven't read the thing yet. I haven't read the full thing yet. I skimmed. <laughs> I skimmed it. I learned from the the East St. Louis riots piece. I skimmed a little bit to make sure there was no ultra violence or anything like that. You inspired a lot of comments. I skimmed it. I skimmed. I skimmed good. a little bit. A little bit. I did the smart. We're good. We're good. <laughs> All right. Here we go. From birth till death, enslaved in a word, indeed unmanned. Hereditary bondsmen, you know ye not. Who would be free themselves must strike the blow. That's from Byron. Everyone needs some good Byron in their lives. He had a bear. (laughs) Uh, Easily the most striking thing in the history of the American Negro since 1876 is the ascendancy of Mr. Booker T. Washington. It began at the time when war memories and ideals were rapidly passing. A day of astonishing commercial development was dawning. A sense of doubt and hesitation overtook the freedmen's sons. Then it was that his leading began. Mr. Washington came with a single definite program at the psychological moment when the nation was a little ashamed of having bestowed so much sentiment on Negroes and was concentrating its energy on dollars, dollars with a capital D. Du Bois is still <laughs> let it not be said. The man wasn't radicalized yet. He still knew what the fuck was up. Right, right, right. Uh, his program of industrial education, conciliation of the South and submission in silence as to civil and political rights was not wholly original. The free Negroes from 1830 up to wartime had striven to build industrial schools and the American Missionary Association had from the first taught various trades and Price and others had sought a way of honorable alliance with the best of the Southerners. But Mr. Washington first indissolubly linked these things. He put enthusiasm, unlimited energy and perfect faith into his program and changed it from a bypath into a veritable way of life. And the tale of the methods by which he did this is a fascinating study of human life. It startled the nation to hear a Negro advocating such a program after many decades of bitter complaint. It startled and won the applause of the South. It interested and won the admiration of the North. And after a confused murmur of protest, it silenced if it did not convert the Negroes themselves. Yeah. Now, very clearly, that means the South being like the white South. Oh, yeah. The the Confederacy. He's not talking about like the black people in the black belt. You know, those were the people that eventually, eventually they they stood silent and kind of converted. Yeah. And this is everything we've learned from Booker T. Washington up to this point. This is a person that came forth and was offering 
what it basically was offering a guilt free get off the hook card yeah. for for white people in both the north and the south it was yeah. hey we will train these these free negroes to be uh, you know free people and be productive members of your industrial working right. class um and by the way you don't have to give them all the rights or anything. it's perfect it's great we'll we'll agree to be second class citizens as long as you give us some level of basic human decency yeah. and uh and teach us a trade that would be great yeah we fought life or death for our humanity and we don't we don't really need that. No. If you want to just you want to just give us a few crumbs, and we'll we'll train ourselves to be you know your your little yeah. workers. Yeah, this worker is great. Hands. This yeah. is solid. This is great. this is good. good. Yeah. Uh, this might be the most problematic thing we ever have to try and <laughs> work our way through. This is gonna be a lot. This is a lot. Here. And it hurts because it's so it's, bad. It's it's like I. <laughs> You know, there's a point to where it's like, like, stay in your lane. And there's also a point where it's like, yeah. it's Booker fucking T. Washington. Fuck him. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll figure that one out. Second most problematic Booker T after the, the one wrestler guy. Um, just me. Anyone, anyone else wrestling fans in the late nineties? No, just me. All right, cool. Uh, to gain the sympathy and cooperation of the various elements compromising the white South was Mr. Washington's first task. And this at the time, the Tuskegee and at this time, the Tuskegee was founded. Seen for a black man, well nigh impossible. And yet 10 years later, it was done. In the words spoken at Atlanta, in all things purely social, we can be separate as the five fingers. And yet one as the hand in all things essential to mutual progress. What the fuck does that mean, Booker? That's a bad Booker. That's not a good one. That ain't that ain't, that ain't, that ain't it, Chief. As I've been told on the internet, that's, that's, what the, that's what the kids say these days. That's apparently holy fuck. Uh, this Atlanta compromise is by all odds the most notable thing in Mr. Washington's career. The South interpreted it in different ways. The radicals received it as a complete circuit. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I need a little light after that shade. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. That's not that's not inaccurate. No. <laughs> shit. Damn. Okay. The South interpreted it in different ways. The radicals received it as a complete surrender of the demand for civil and political equality. Uh-huh. Yeah. The conservatives as a generously conceived working basis for mutual understanding. <laughs> Boy, that Woof. seems really nice. Woof. So both approved it, and to this day its author is certainly the most distinguished Southerner since Jefferson Davis. Whoa! That's the guy. I like Damn. I like I like reading the boys. I really do. You know we like Burns. We oh, love Burns. We love Burns. We love Burns. Burns are we've, we've loved Burns since Marx. We got super high on Burns and Lennon. Oh. We like our we we got Fanon some, some came, sexy Burns and Fanon. Fanon yes. came he came on late, but he came on he hard. He came on, he came on hard. Well we got we got some burns here. These are some burns. Yes. Uh next to it next to the achievement comes Mr. Washington's work in gaining place and consideration in the North. Others, less shrewd and tactful, had formerly essayed to sit down on these two stools and had fallen between them. But as Mr. Washington knew, the heart of the South from birth and training, so by singular insight, he intuitively grasped the spirit of the age which was dominating the North. And so thoroughly did he learn the speech and thought of triumphant commercialism and the ideals of material prosperity that the picture of a lone black boy poring over a French grammar amid the weeds and dirt of a neglected home soon seemed to him the acme of absurdities. One wonders what soccer and St. Francis of Assisi would say to this. <laughs> All right, guys. No, nah, no. Nah, the boys is taking over. The boys, yeah. the boys is going to pass Lennon <laughs> pretty quick here if he keeps this going. Whole, this is full on pedal to the metal. This, that, that's Jesus. Right. Give to boys Twitter. He's spitting around with some blowtorches. This He's is fantastic. everything in sight. 
Uh, and yet, this very singleness of vision and thorough oneness with his age is a mark of the successful man. It is as though nature must needs make men narrow in order to give them force. So Mr. Washington's cult has gained unquestioning followers. His work has wonderfully prospered. His friends are legion and his enemies are confounded. Today, he stands as the one recognized spokesman of his 10 million fellows and one of the most notable figures in the nation of 70 million. One hesitates, therefore, to criticize a life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. Du Bois, I don't think you you hesitated one second. <laughs> was no I don't hesitation. think you hesitated at all, good sir. Uh, <laughs> One hesitates, therefore, to criticize a life which, beginning with so little, has done so much. And yet the time has come when one may speak in all sincerity and utter courtesy of the mistakes and shortcomings of Mr. Washington's career, as well as of his triumphs, without being thought captious or envious, and without forgetting that this is easier to do ill than well in the world. Yes. All right. I love I love he's got that. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything right, at all. Yeah. By me. He's like, but I'm still going to shit talk him. That, that's right. <laughs> just, just be nice to the poor guy. By the way, fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> The criticism that has hitherto met Mr. Washington has not always been of this broad character. In the South, especially, has he had to walk warily to avoid the harshest judgments. And naturally so, for he is dealing with the one subject of deepest sensitiveness to that section. Twice, once when at the Chicago celebration of the Spanish-American War, he alluded to the color prejudice that is eating away the vitals of the South. And once when he dined with President Roosevelt, has the resulting Southern citizen, Southern criticism been violent enough to threaten seriously his popularity? In the North, the feeling has several times forced itself into words that Mr. Washington's counsels of submission overlooked certain elements of true manhood and that his educational program was unnecessarily narrow. Usually, however, such criticism has not found open expression, although, too, the spiritual sons of the abolitionists have not been prepared to acknowledge that the schools founded before Tuskegee by men of broad ideals and self-sacrificing spirit were wholly failures or worthy of ridicule. While then criticism has not yet failed to follow Mr. Washington, yet the prevailing public opinion of the land has been but too willing to deliver the solution of a wearisome problem into his hands and say, if this is all you and your race ask, take it. It's always so nice when just one person gets to be the whole race. When gets that, to be the spokesperson. The spokesperson of an entire group of, of it's, people. It's it nice, goes right? So it's gotta well. be very convenient. Goes so well. Yeah, it never right. never ends poorly. Let me let me get my Du Bois shoes on here. So among his own people, however, Mr. Washington has encountered the strongest and most lasting opposition, amounting at times to bitterness, and even today continuing strong and insistent, even though largely silenced in outward expression by the public opinion of the nation. Some of this opposition is, of course, mere envy, the disappointment of displaced demagogues and the spite of narrow minds. But aside from this, there's among educated and thoughtful colored men in all parts of the land and a falling of deep regret, sorrow and apprehension at the wide currency and ascendancy which some of Mr. Washington's theories have gained. These same men admire his sincerity of purpose and are willing to forgive much to be on to honest endeavor, which he is doing something worth the doing. They cooperate with Mr. Washington as far as they can consciously can. And indeed, it is no ordinary tribute to this man's tact and power that steering as he must between so many diverse interests and opinions. He so largely retained the respect of all. He's walking the middle road. He's, that's that's right. He's toeing the line. He's walking. He's walking that fun line where it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't be mean to him because he's doing a very Bernie Sanders where it's like, I I can't be like objectively mean right. to him because what he's doing is in the interest of a majority of of my comrades and it, it's going to help people. Yeah. But now at the imagine. Same time, come on, man. Yeah. Now imagine you're 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 
um, conditions are much, much worse than they are now. Like, let's say chattel slavery worse, for example. Just, just throwing that out there. A little bit. And you, you had just, chattel slavery. you had just fought a deadly, like the deadliest war on, on this, this ground ever. Um, in order to get, you know, full, full emancipation, decolonization of the land, end of imperialism, healthcare, all that stuff. And then Bernie came along and was like, you know, they, they, they just need a little healthcare. We're good. Uh, American can have little of healthcare little as a healthcare. treat. That's, that's kind of what Booker T is. It's not, not good. This is, uh, yeah. All right. But the hushing of the criticism of honest opponents is a dangerous thing. It leads to some of the best of the critics to unfortunate silence and paralysis of effort, and others burst into speech so passionately and intemperately as to lose listeners. Honest to earnest criticism from yeah. <laughs> Civi- think of the civility. <laughs> you have to be. You can't be mean to him. Don't be intemperate. Come on. <laughs> honest and earnest criticism from those whose interests are most nearly touched. Criticism of writers by readers, of government by those governed, of leaders by those led. This is the soul of democracy and the safeguard of modern society. If the best of the American Negroes received by outer pressure a leader whom they had not recognized before, manifestly there is a certain palpable gain. Yet there is also irreparable loss, a loss of that peculiarly valuable education. Thank you. Valuable education of which a group receives when by search and criticism it finds and commissions its own leader. The way in which this is done is at once the most elementary and nicest problem of social growth. History is but the record of such group leadership, and yet how infinitely changeful it is, it is, is its type and character. And of all the types and kinds, what can be more instructive than the leadership of a group within a group? That curious double movement where real progress may be negative and actual advance be relative retrogression. All this is the social student's inspiration and despair. Now in the past, the American Negro has had instructive experience in choosing of group leaders, founding thus a peculiar dynasty, which in the light of the present conditions is worth studying. When sticks and stones and beasts from the sole environment of a people, their attitude is largely one of determined opposition to and conquest of natural forces. But when to earth and, and brute, brute yeah, is added an environment of men and ideas, then the attitude of the imprisoned group may take three main forms. A feeling of revolt and revenge, an attempt to adjust all thought and action to the will of the greater group, or finally, a determined effort at self-realization and self-development, despite environing opinion. The influence of all these attitudes at various times can be traced in the history of the American Negro and in the evolution of his successive leaders. Before 1750, while the fire of African freedom still burned in the veins of the slaves, there was in all the leadership or attempted leadership but the one motive of revolt and revenge, typified in the terrible Maroons, the Danish Blacks, and Cato of Stono, and veiling all Americans in fear of insurrection. The liberalizing tendencies of the latter half of the 18th century brought, along with kindler relations between black and white, thoughts of ultimate adjustment and assimilation. Such aspiration was especially voiced in the earnest songs of Phyllis in the martyrdom of Atticus, the fighting of Salem and poor, the intellectual accomplishments of Banneker and Durham, and the political demands of the cuffs. Yeah. So, I mean, he's saying, you know, it, when they're so downtrodden, right, and, and early in the fight and they really hadn't built their politics yet, you know, they're just hoping to be part of things, right? Yeah. They're just, they just want to be humans too. Yes. And, and so that was very, very rudimentary and of course very violent as it should have been. It was fighting a very violent force. Mm-hmm. 
Stern financial and social stresses after the war cooled much of the previous humanitarian ardor. The disappointment and impatience of the Negroes at the persistence of slavery and serfdom voiced itself in two movements. The slaves in the South, aroused undoubtedly by vague rumors of the Haitian revolt, made three fierce attempts at insurrection. In 1800, under Gabriel in Virginia, in 1822, under Vesey in Carolina, and in 1831, again in Virginia, under the terrible Nat Turner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the free states, on the other hand, a new and curious attempt at self-development was made. In Philadelphia and New York, color prescription led to a withdrawal of Negro communicants from white churches and the formation of a peculiar socio-religious institution among the Negroes known as the African Church, an organization still living and controlling in its various branches over a million of men. Walker's wild appeal against the trend of the time showed how the world was changing after the coming of the cotton gen. By 1830, slavery seemed hopelessly fastened on the South, and the slaves thoroughly cowed into submission. The free Negroes of the North, inspired by the mulatto immigrants from the West Indies, began to change the basis of their demands. They recognized the slavery of slaves, but insisted that they themselves were free men and sought assimilation and amalgamation with the nation on the terms of with other men. Thus, Fortin and Purvis of Philadelphia, Shad of Wilmington, Du Bois. Uh, we'll give him the Du Bois of New Haven. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Is that that Du Bois? Is he referring to himself in the third person? I Because he's from New Haven. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Barbados huh. of Boston. Because that is, I must say, Du Bois, I, I just realized, yeah, that he is absolutely from New Haven. Yeah. That's a weird call. Okay. Barbados of Boston and others strong, strove singly and together as men. They said not as slaves, as people of color, not as Negroes. The trend of the times, however, refused them recognition, save in individual and exceptional cases. Consider them as one with all the despised blacks, and they soon found themselves striving to even keep the rights they formerly had of voting and working and moving as free men. Schemes of migration and colonization ro- arose among them, but they these ref- they refused to entertain, and they eventually turned to the abolition movement as a final refuge. I've just got to interject. Yeah. I didn't know the term people of color was that old. I thought it was yeah, that's something that came around in the the 20th that, that was a newer a newer advent. Yeah, a, yeah, no, yeah. apparently I I you know I think I remember that too that that came up in uh um no no the, it, it has to be because the NAACP is the National Association for Colored People. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Du Bois specifically fought for that recognition because he didn't want it to be about strictly African. He wanted it to be about all people of color, not just African American. I remember that specifically from gotcha. the Du Bois preference. Okay, you know the thing that we did two and a half months yes, ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, um, the thing we did back when the dinosaurs were around. Uh huh. In the yeah. long, long time, in the long ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Take it away. Here, led by Redmond, Nell, Wells, Brown, and Douglas, a new period of self-assertion and self-development dawned. To be sure, ultimate freedom and assimilation was the ideal before the leaders. But the assertion of the manhood rights of the Negro by himself was the main reliance, and John Brown's raid was the the extreme of its logic. The one good white dude. The one good white dude. Now, again, you know, this is, back to recognizing people of color, this is long down the line of slave revolts as you look higher up in the article. So let's let's not put them on a pedestal, but among white people he should have the pedestal yeah he's the only one yeah so uh after the war and emancipation the great form of frederick Douglass, the greatest of american negro leaders still led the host self-assertion especially in political lines was the main program behind Douglass came elliott bruce and langston and the reconstruction politicians and less conspicuous but greater social significance alexander cremel and bishop daniel payne yeah Then came the revolution of 1876, the suppression of the Negro votes, the changing and shifting of ideals, and the seeking of new lights of the great night. 
Douglas, in his old age, still bravely stood for the ideals of his early manhood, ultimate assimilation through self-assertion, and no other terms. For a time, Price arose as a new leader, destined, it seemed, not to give up, but to restate the old ideals in a form less repugnant to the white South. But he passed away in his prime. Then came a new leader. Nearly all the former ones had become leaders by the silent suffrage of their fellows, had sought to lead their own people alone, and were usually, save Douglas, little known outside their race. But Booker T. Washington <laughs> arose as essentially the leader of not of one race, but of two, a compromiser between the South, the North, and the Negro. Naturally, the Negroes resented, at first bitterly, signs of economic development. No, signs of compromise, which surrendered their civil and political rights. Yeah, even you th- should! <laughs> even though this was to be exchanged for larger chances of economic development. The rich and dominating North, however, was not only weary of the race problem, uh, but was investing largely in Southern enterprises. Oh! Oh, wow. There's, there's that capitalism for you. And welcomed any method of peaceful cooperation. Thus, by national opinion, the Negroes began to recognize Mr. Washington's leadership, and the voice of criticism was hushed. Mr. Washington represents, in Negro thought, the old attitude of adjustment and submission. But at such a peculiar time as to make his program unique, this is an age of unusual economic development. And Mr. Washington's program naturally takes an economic cast, becoming a gospel of work and money. Oh, the good old Protestant work ethic. Back at it again, guys. Uh, And to such an extent as apparently almost completely to overshadow the higher aims of life. Moreover, this is an age when the more advanced races are coming in closer (laughs) contact with the less developed races. And the race feeling is therefore intensified. Let's remember back to when Booker or when uh, Du Bois wrote this. Oh, sure. And and let's also remember like the 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 brazenness and backhandedness that he's using. That might have been in earnest because this was his. Very much as talented, the talented tense, and yeah, there. But he's also been pretty back in. It could be either way. It could go either way. We'll yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but yeah, work, money. Moreover, this is an age when the more advanced races are coming in closer contact with the less developed races. Had to read that one more time. You poor and, human being. Yeah, had to read the, that twice. And the race feeling is therefore intensified. And Mr. Washington's program practically accepts the alleged inferiority of the Negro races. Again, See, in there our, he used alleged. There he used alleged. Yeah. Again, in our own land, the reaction from this sentiment of wartime has given impetus to the race prejudice against Negroes. And Mr. Washington withdraws many of the high demands of Negroes as men and American citizens. In other periods of intensified prejudice, all the Negro self-tendency to self-assertion has been called forth. At this period, a policy of submission is advocated. In the history of nearly all other races and peoples, the doctrine preached at such crises has been that manly self-respect is worth more than land and ho- lands and houses, and that a people who voluntarily surrender such respect or cease striving for it are not worth civilizing. The- this feels so much, so much like we're reading a little bit of Fanon again, too, because Fanon ah. did, Fanon did such a good job of pointing out that it's, it's a dual battle, right? Yeah. You're fighting, they're fighting for their humanity, but also, you know, there was this Hegelian like master slave thing where like, oh, the masters and the slaves are just working on their relationships with each other. And Fanon was like, no dumbass, the masters, <laughs> the masters just look at the slaves and go, that's work, you know, yeah. and they, they chuckle the whole way home. You know, there, there's kind of a little bit of that here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and again, there's, it's not to be said that Du Bois wasn't 
it is, I mean, Du Bois was absolutely a foundational yeah. leader in this area. So there, yeah. there's absolute, we're going to see at the very least, uh, the, the seeds of what we saw in Fanon coming up here quite frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Du Bois was a, a black Marxist from before Fanon's time that, yep. that, you know, this is before the Marxism set in, but he was radicalizing and he was a very, very brilliant, you know, person that cared very much for his people. Absolutely. In answer to this, it has been claimed that the Negro can only survive through submission. Mr. Washington distinctly asked that black people give up, at least for the present, three things. First, political power. Second, insistence on civil rights. Insistence on civil rights. How? Stop being so, stop being so needy about this, guys. Come on. Let, let it rest. Uh, third, higher education of Negro youth and concentrate all their energies on industrial education and accumulation of wealth and the conciliation of the South. This policy has been courageously and insistently advocated for over 15 years and has been triumphant for perhaps 10. As a result of this tender of the palm branch, what has been the return? In these years, there have occurred, one, the disenfranchisement of the Negro, two, the legal creation of a distinct status of civil inferiority for the Negro, three, the steady withdrawal of aid from institutions for the higher training of the Negro. But they need to pull them up by the bootstraps. And this is this, pull them up. There's ungrateful. This is the definition of the problem that plagues the modern Democratic Party of you don't start your goddamn negotiation from a point of yes. concession. Yes. This is the dumb. This is not if there is one thing I will give Bernie Sanders credit for. Uh, it is the fact that he is at the very least. Not conceding any ground on any of the positions no, that he cares about. It no. is black and white, full on the most, the most in- encompassing version of whatever he wants to get done. Because you cannot start your negotiations from a point of concession. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. Bernie, Bernie's goals are too far right and too imperialist, but they are farther left than anyone else from the big yes. parties. And that's because he's not either lying about trying to represent people. He just does a very bad, bad job of it better, better than the other people. Um, and he's not, he's not an idiot that's starting from a compromise. He has a certain set yeah. of goals and he's at least asking to accomplish his goals and he's recognized again you recognize this in every form of nego- every form yeah. of politics and negotiation yeah once the side that takes the heart that takes the no negotiation hard line yeah. will always get conceded to in some what level the fuck or another do you think the tea party is and yes. why are we talking about moving so far right look at everything obama did under yeah. his administration it was all ca- the, the fucking heritage foundation wrote his health care plan yeah it was constantly a bunch of well if we can if we work with them on their terms then we'll maybe get a little bit of what we want as opposed to fuck that make them come to us on our terms because fuck them we are the majority we should rule this shit yeah and this is you see this over and over and over again in electoral politics and this was just the social manifestation of that this yeah. was someone doing that but with the uh, humanity of an entire race as his negotiation piece <laughs> uh, uh-huh not like healthcare or anything like that just basic levels of humanity yeah um which is just fucking insanity um and then you see what happens they got the far right they got the far reactionary you know things without oh, you any had the rise of the, of the kkk yeah, yeah without any of these so-called you know benefits that they were you giving had concessions sharecropping for. you had the end of reconstruction you had all of it yeah, yeah it was a mess and i love the concession that that they make to that it was supposed to be for uh 
industrial education and accumulation of wealth. Yeah. It was like a, a complete acknowledgement of, oh, yeah, no, we know we're not going to be people until we have acquired enough wealth to participate in capitalism. Yeah. So we're just going to take like 20 years or 30 years or 100 years or whatever to do that real quick. And then we'll come back and we can be real people. We know start, how the game works. Start from the bottom and, and work your way up. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's what. Not yeah. even asking for reparation. Like I, I love it's that what Adam were, Smith would want. Oh, my God. These movements are not, to be sure, direct results of Mr. Washington's teachings, but his propaganda has, without a shadow of a doubt, helped their speedier accomplishment. The question then comes, is it possible and probable that nine millions of men can make effective progress in economic lines if they are deprived of political rights and made a servile caste and allowed only the most meager chance of developing their exceptional men? Again, back to this, Tyler the 10th. Yeah. If history and reason give any distinct answer to these questions, it is an emphatic no. And Mr. Washington (laughs) eating around the bush there. Not even a little bit. And Mr. Washington thus faces the triple paradox of his career. One, he is striving nobly to make Negro artisans, businessmen, and property owners. But it is utterly impossible under modern competitive methods, capitalism, for working men and property owners to defend their rights and exist without the right of suffrage. And that is a hundred percent accurate. If you yeah. do not have, if, well, because if you can't vote and everyone else can, they're just going to vote for some policy exa- that, that you have no recourse. You have no you, and even that it's, is it's the a most, bad white supremacist system, and votes don't mean that much. It's the politically. worst recourse that you could possibly have available to you. But yeah, but e- if even that is taken away, sure, there is no, no accountability whatsoever. Yeah. There's no consequence for running straight over the you. Only accountability is physical violence from you, and you clearly haven't radicalized anyone if you're taking these no, concessions. No, yeah. uh, he insists on thrift and self respect. <laughs> the Dave Ramsey approach, God, guys. God damn, that is just <laughs> that that thrift and self respect is a paired it's just so, ideal uh, ah. Protestant work ethic, baby. Uh, but at the same time, counsels a silent submission to civic inferiority, such as is bound to sap the manhood of any race in the long run. Back to the fan- back to the roots of fanat mm-hmm. again. Being a servile uh, underclass. Absolutely yeah. robs you of your humanity over any yeah. extended period of time. It's going to happen. Yep. Um, he advocates common school and industrial training and depreciates institutions of higher learning, but neither the Negro common schools nor Tuskegee itself could remain open a day were it not for teachers trained in Negro colleges or trained by their graduates. This goes back to uh, B- uh, Du Bois's insistence that higher education was somehow, again, we, we go back if to- If everybody his, goes to college, all the problems yeah, are solved. His, yeah. his lived, we go back to his lived experience. This is a man that rose yeah. up through education, was empowered by education, saw the benefits that education had for himself, but couldn't quite get out of this phase that, well, this will, it worked for me, so it'll work for everyone. Right. Um, which is a common. He wasn't trying to pull the ladder up like a lot of ground up people. No, were, no, 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 no. But he had his experience and that's what he learned from because who else was writing on what he was talking exactly. about? Exactly. And yeah. this is a common trend that I think you see in, in some well meaning and more nefarious libs. Yeah. Well, um, and he's, he's even given a little, I mean, he, he is not nice to Burger D. Washington here or any of his work. No, should he be? No. But he gives a little bit of credence to like, you know, we, we, we want to blame Booker T for this and we should. He fucked up as a leader for the, 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 uh, black Americans, but, it's really not his cause. It's the white Southerners yes. that, that really did it. And all he was was he was a gateway. He was a puppet. He was an easy conduit yes. for them to suck their power right back after a bloody war. Yep. This triple paradox in Mr. Washington's position is the object of criticism by two classes of colored Americans. One class is spiritually descended from the Toussaint, the Savior, through Gabriel, Vesey, and Turner, and they represent the attitude of revolt and revenge. 
They mm-hmm. hate the white South blindly and distrust the white race generally. That Toussaint the Savior is, we're talking about Toussaint Louvier, right? Yeah, Toussaint Louvier of And then we're, uh, uh, obviously talking about, you know, Nat Turner and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. the gang. Um, and yet the irony of fate, nothing has more effectively made this program seem helpless than the recent course of the United States towards weaker and darker people in the West Indies, Hawaii, and the Philippines. For where in the world may we go to be safe from lying and brute force? This, I think, again, goes back to, I think, uh, whatchamacallit, the, oh, fuck, the video that I watch like once a week because I'm obsessed with it. Uh, uh, Black Panthers, fuck. Fred Hampton? Help me. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you. The Fred Hampton video on... on the- when he's taking the cards and he's flipping it. And- no, no. This is back to the education video. Where oh, okay. It is the educational part. Of it. Just hating hating everything white is not enough to lead to revolutionary change because yeah. if you do that, you're going to end up... Even if you even if you get what you want, you're just going to end up oppressing people in the same way. Um, you need you need more theory behind it, and that's what I get from this is that it's just there's a lot of hate there, but you're realizing that that just pure hatred is not enough to uh, to actually enact yeah. anything. You need you need something behind that. The other class of Negroes who can't agree with Mr. Washington has hitherto said little aloud. They depreciate the sight of scattered councils of internal disagreement, and especially they dislike making their just criticism of a useful and earnest man an excuse for a general discharge of venom from small-minded opponents. Nevertheless, the questions involved are so fundamental and serious that it is difficult to see how men like the Grimkeys, Kelly Miller, J.W.E. Bowen, and other representatives of this group can much longer be silent. He's counting himself in that group, I imagine. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Such men feel in conscience bound to ask of this nation three things. The right to vote, civic equality, the education of youth according to ability. They acknowledge, <sighs> yeah, I, just, I don't like it. I don't like it. This is still early to boys. I know. The first two are fine. The third one feels, ugh. Uh, Mr. Washington's invaluable service in counseling patience and courtesy in such demands. They do not ask that ignorant black men vote when ignorant whites are debarred or that they reasonable there uh, that any reasonable restrictions in the suffrage should not be applied. They know that the low social level of the mass of the race is responsible for much discrimination against it. But they also know and the nation knows that relentless color prejudice is more often a cause than a result of the Negro's degradation. There you go. That's important. Uh, They seek the abatement of this relic of barbarism and not its systematic encouragement and pampering by all agencies of social power from the Associated Press to the Church of Christ. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Take an AP to the mat. That's right. APs needed to be taken to the mat the whole time. AP needed it. Yeah. Uh, they advocate with Mr. Washington a broad system of Negro common schools supplemented through indu- by through in- thorough industrial training, but they are surprised that a man of Mr. Washington's insight cannot see that no such educational system has ever rested or can rest on any other basis than that of the well-equipped college and university, and they insist that there is a demand for few a few such institutions throughout the South to train the best of the Negro youth as teachers, professional men, and leaders. Yeah, David, David take it away. I need a break from I, that. Okay. It just, uh, it just. Uh, I don't like this it. group of men honor Mr. Washington for his attitude of conciliation toward the white South. They accept the Atlanta Compromise and its broadest interpretation. They recognize with him many signs of promise, many men of high purpose and fair judgment in this section. They know that no easy task has been laid upon a region already tottering under heavy burdens. But they nevertheless, they insist the way to the truth 
and right lies in straightforward honesty, not indiscriminate flattery, and praising those of the South who do well and criticizing uncompromisingly those who do ill, and taking advantage of the opportunities at hand and urging their fellows to do the same, but at the same time in remembering that only a firm adherence to the higher ideals of aspirations will ever keep those ideals within the realm of possibility. They do not expect that the free right to vote, to enjoy civic rights, and to be educated will come in a moment. They do expect to see the bias and prejudices of years of disappearance of years disappear at a blast of a trumpet, but they are absolutely certain that the way for a people to gain their reasonable rights is not by voluntary throwing them away and insisting they do not want them. <laughs> yeah, no, that seems that seems yeah. not great. Yeah, that the way for a people to gain respect is not by continually belittling and ridiculing themselves, that on the contrary, Negroes must insist continually in season and out of season that voting is necessary to modern manhood, that color discrimination is barbarism, and that black boys need education as well as the white boys. Again, you know, I mean, within a liberal paradigm, this is a very good, strong task. Now, I mean, again, you know, we still got the Du Bois problems, right, where he's he's a little high on on education being the great gateway and they're being like a talented. a little high on this concept that there is a a naturally separated upper class and lower class of of intelligence. Intelligence. And that this should be about making the upper class blossom, you know, and these are things that he'd he'd grow away from as he became more radicalized. Uh, But he does have some very good points. You know, I mean, you can't come in. We just talked about it. you can't come in compromise first. You know, you, you're not going to sit there and go, OK, well, you know, we're not going to have the revolution in a day. Like that's something we've said. I don't know how many times this uh, podcast. Once or twice. Yeah. Uh, it's a materialist concept that, that a lot of people need to get their heads around. Um, and Du Bois already has that. He already yes. knows that. He's no not impractical in any way. I but, think anyone that that's living through the end and transition from chattel slavery through reconstruction has to and post reconstruction has to see the concept of long-term absolutely and 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 the concept that there is no sure anyone who lived through the emancipation proclamation i think would have been disabused of the concept that any one event is going to significantly change your your a word you wouldn't use your superstructure or anything like that yeah it's just not possible it's not how things work yeah yeah and he's saying you know you can't do that but of course you know you're not going to start from a level like oh we're not going to change this in a day so we should only be asking for a day's worth like yeah what the hell yeah (laughs) that's not how you do a project it's it's not it's not you're never going to complete anything it's not recommended yep and failing thus to state plainly and unequivocally the legitimate demands of their people even at the cost of opposing an honored leader the thinking classes of American Negroes would shirk a heavy responsibility a responsibility to themselves a responsibility to the struggling masses a responsibility to the darker races of men whose future depends so largely on this American experiment but especially a responsibility to this nation it's so liberal sometimes god damn it this common fatherland it is wrong to encourage a man or people of evil doing it is wrong to aid and abet a nation nation crime simply because it is unpopular not to do so i'm so glad he gets more radical god damn it (laughs) it it comes but again it is important it is important to to show that yeah i mean the growing process yes and what is important what has brought him there you know i mean you're not going to go out there and organize and and find you know the least radicalized person and be like this whole event fucking sucks go home you know i mean it it takes time yes yeah um with a growing spirit of kind of kindliness and 
reconciliation between the North and the South after the frightful difference of a generation ago ought to be a source of deep congratulation to all, and especially those whose mistreatment caused the war. But if to that reconciliation is to be marked by the industrial slavery and civic death of those same black men with permanent legislation into a position of inferiority, then those black men, if they are really men, are called upon by every consideration of patriotism and loyalty to oppose such a course by all civilized methods. Even though such opposition involves disagreement with Mr. Booker T. Washington, we have no right to sit silently by while the inevitable seeds are sown for a harvest of disaster to our children, black and white. A fucking man. Hell yeah. Go off, King. (laughs) First, it is the duty of black men to judge the South discriminatingly. The present generation of Southerners are not responsible for the past, and they should not be blindly hated or blamed for it. Furthermore, to no class is the indiscriminate endorsement of the recent course of the South toward Negroes more nauseating than to the best thought of the South. The South is not solid. It is a land in the ferment of social change, wherein forces of all kinds are fighting for supremacy. And to praise the ill of the South is today perpetrating it just as wrong as to condemn the good. Discriminating and broad-minded criticism is what the South needs. Needs it for the sake of her own white sons and daughters and for the insurance of robust, healthy mental and moral development. I actually think that's a very important concept yeah i think that goes back to our what we talk about a lot of how you you see this homogenization of groups of of giant swaths of the country especially the south more probably more so than anywhere else yeah um but we know that that is not how people are people are not a block people are not a homogenized one and well look at some of the grotesque thoughts that come out there and some of the the repercussions of it too you know you've got there's of course and it's it's overstated sometimes i think because it's it's pretty rough by the pundit class but there's a certain group within the pundit class who are supposed to be super progressive super liberal the the daily coasts you know people right yeah. uh where it's like well you know alabama deserves to die for their stupid you know and it's like you're talking mm. about some of the largest swaths of the black population you're talking about poor whites and blacks who suffer because of the ruling class instead of thinking they need the most help they're the most oppressed by their working class these are the people that should be radicalized when when you you have that mindset of of elitism it's just the, these are the grack. Yeah. You know, we're the good ones and they're the bad ones. The the bag of the the basket of deplorables nonsense. Yes. This whole this whole concept that the people again, people recognize their material conditions and they recognize who the hell speaks to them. Because people can rec- when you're talking to them, they recognize talk about what matters to them. And and that I think is the more grand unifying thing than anything else. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I, I don't, I don't like the, I agree with his sentiment then and now that it is, it is not in our interest to, to homogenize groups of people for, to, just to dunk on them for, for good reason. Yeah. Even though that can be fun and sometimes seems warranted. Um, it, it is, it is probably not, again, it's back to what you were talking about. People, you know, shitting on, on old, older black Southern voters for, for voting for Biden yesterday. Like, yeah. Is that really, is that really what you're doing? Is that, is that, yeah, the right. These, right are, now? these are the downtrodden people that, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I mean, uh, whatever you did did not speak to them in the same way. Or, these or are people that live to Jim Crow. If you yeah. failed to communicate with them, you, you need to, re- you know, yeah, you need to recognize that. You're also not factoring in things like, you know, working class people, especially black people are, are a huge problem 
uh, product of did not vote, you know, are yeah. you not getting the people out that did not vote? You know, they're just the people that that whose political tendency sits in well enough with, um, OK, it's still worthwhile to vote. And I recognize that Barack Obama, you know, was was black and, and Biden's associated with him voted heavily there. And and the people, you know, if you haven't turned those people over to to say, I speak for your cause, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, you're that is a failure of your it's, it's the same thing that we go back to the, with with you, you dunk on Hillary Clinton for it all the time. She ran a shitty campaign. She didn't speak to people. Yeah. Same rules apply to both sides. If you are not able to get people out to vote for you, yeah. you are not speaking to them in a language that either moves them or 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 resonates with them in some way. Yeah, and something else to, to keep in mind, too, is whenever you look at these these places, you know, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, and it's what I just kind of alluded to with the black belt being in there. Florida's going to get real cool now that they're yeah. letting felons vote. I'm a, I am yeah. very intrigued to see what happens in Florida now. But you look at these places and and, and you look at, you know, the, the places with the worst welfare and the, the most you know, conservative and stuff. And you're, you're, you're getting your cause and effect mixed up, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, the, these, the, the heavy racism and the conservative leadership, you know, gets this stuff, gets these conditions extra bad on people and they're more disenfranchised. They're, they're less empowered and they have, of course, rightfully less faith in this shitty electoral system that doesn't save anyone from any goddamn thing. But also, that, you know, that tells you that, that the worst reactionaries, the worst racist stuff are, are the people that are, are right there next to these groups of people. They're the people that are along the South where you'll see immigration so that they can attack the immigrants they hate so much. There are people that are along the South, you know, in the old, uh, black belt where there used to be slavery and then sharecropping so they can attack poor black rural people, you know, the most and, and they can suck off their suffering and profit from their suffering the most. You know, I mean, so when you look at these groups in, in, in homogenous terms, you're looking at the greatest victims and you're looking at the greatest perpetrators and mixed in there, you know, there's gradients of, you know, it's it's not like John Brown came from fucking Harvard, you know, no. I mean, I mean, nope. they're, they're, they're the very, you know, as much as you're going to see the extreme racist and you're going to see uh, because of the leadership locally, because of just the way, you know, leadership and propaganda and things work, some of the most reactionary, you know, poor white people in that area, you're also going to see, you know, some of even when you, you isolate the, the white population in that area, you're going to see some of the radicalized white people that'll be up they're in the streets yeah. because they see the suffering firsthand, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you just can't, you cannot homogeneously attack these groups. No, period. Um, but most importantly, because of the victims of, of these areas. Yeah. Today, even the attitude of the Southern whites towards the blacks is not, as so many assume in all cases, the same. The ignorant Southerner hates the Negro. The working men fear his competition. The moneymakers wish to use him as a laborer. Some of the educated see a menace in his upward development, while others, usually the sons of the masters, wish to help him rise. Fail sons, unite! Uh, <laughs> national opinion has enabled this class, this last class to maintain the Negro common schools and to protect the Negro partially in property, life, and limb. Though the pressure of the moneymakers, the Negro is in danger of being reduced to semi-slavery. <laughs> hey, uh, Dr. Du Bois, uh, hate to break it to you. <laughs> they, they got us back there. No worries. Yeah. Uh, especially in the country districts, the working men and those of the educated who fear the Negro have united to disenfranchise him. And some have urged his deportation, while the passions of the ignorant are easily aroused to lynch and abuse any black men. Speaking of which, we just made lynching a federal crime like four days ago. Jesus Christ. Fucking kill me. Uh, to praise this intricate whirl of thought and prejudice is nonsense. To invade indiscriminately against the South is unjust. But to use in the same breath in praising Governor Acock 
<laughs> That's funny. Uh, exposing Senator Morgan, arguing with Mr. Thomas Nelson Page, and denouncing Senator Ben Tillman is not only sane, but the imperative duty of thinking black men. It would be unjust to Mr. Washington not to acknowledge that in several instances he has opposed movements in the South, which were unjust to the Negro. He sent memorials to the Louisiana and Alabama constitutional conventions. He has spoken against lynching and in other ways has openly or silently set his influence against sinister schemes and unfortunate happenings. That's a that sounds like a vagary for bad things happening to people. <laughs> sinister schemes and unfortunate happenings today. That's an officer involved shooting. If I've ever That's heard right. one, that is some that is some nonsense right there. Um, notwithstanding this, it is equally true to assert that on the whole, the distinct impression left by Mr. Washington's propaganda is first that the South is justified in its present attitude toward the Negro because of the Negro's degradation. Secondly, that the prime cause of the Negro's failure to rise more quickly is his wrong education in the past. And thirdly, that this, his future depends. Yeah, yeah, that his future yeah. depends primarily on his own efforts. These are all really that's that's important. Yeah. That's that is each of these propositions is a dangerous half truth. Yeah. The supplementary truths must never be lost sight of. First, slavery and race prejudice are potent, if not sufficient, causes of the Negro's position. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Second, industrial and common school training were necessarily slow in planting because they had to await the black teachers trained by higher institutions. It is extremely doubtful if any essentially different development was possible, and certainly a Tuskegee was unthinkable before 1880. And third, while it is a great truth to say that the Negro must strive and strive mightily to help himself, it is equally true that unless his striving be not simply seconded, but rather aroused and encouraged by the initiative of the richer and wiser environing group, he cannot hope for great successes. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are not. This is you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, I don't know. Not a thing. The system stacked against you. It's stacked yes. against you. Period. Yes. Period. End of story. Yep. Uh, in his failure to realize and impress the last point, Mr. Washington is especially to be criticized. His doctrine has tended to make the whites, North and South, shift the burden of the Negro problem to the Negro's shoulders and stand aside as critical and rather pessimistic spectators, when in fact the burden belongs to the nation and the hands of none of us are clean if we bend not to our energies to righting these great wrongs. Holy shit, this is where Du Bois was so much more radical than so many people of his time and so many people today. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I we should like paint that on every wall in this country yep. and just like fixate eyes on it because holy shit. Yep. The South ought to be led by candid and honest criticism to assert her better self and to do her full duty to the race she is cruelly wronged and is still wrong and still wronging. The North, her co-partner in guilt, cannot solve her conscience by plastering it with gold. We cannot settle this problem by diplomacy and suaveness, by policy alone. It worse comes to worse, can the moral fiber of this country survive the slow throttling and murder of nine million of men? The black men of America have a duty to perform a duty stern and delicate, a forward movement to oppose a part of the work of their greatest leader. So far as Mr. Washington preaches thrift, patience and industrial training of the masses, we must hold up his hands and strive with him, rejoicing in his honors and glorifying in the strength of justice. 
of this Joshua called God and of a man led the headless host. But so far as Mr. Washington apologizes for injustice, North and South does not rightly value the privilege and duty of voting, belittles the emasculating effects of the caste distinctions, and opposes the higher training and ambition of our brighter minds. So far as he, the South of our nation, does this, we must unceasingly and firmly oppose them. By every civilized and peaceful method, we must strive for the rights which the world accords to men, clinging unwaveringly to those great words which the sons of the fathers would fain forget. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I hate any. I hate quoting the founding fathers. I do hate quoting the founding fathers. You started so so strong, boys. And and there's a couple things where you can see his talented tenth. Some of the liberalism shine through. Some of the founding father quoting. For the most part, that is an extremely radical and pungent and 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 really informational work. Yeah. And it, it speaks very, very well to, you know, I mean, it is the system that has wronged these men and you, and they, sure, you know, I mean, you still have to work hard, but your hard work is going to be nothing unless the system corrects itself, unless the wealth is redistributed from those who've snatched it off the slaves' backs yep. back to the slaves in a just way. I mean, he's essentially calling for what we call now reparations. Yeah. Which is, is, and it has to be done. Yeah, it has to be done. And that's theoretically what Reconstruction wasn't. It never did that. It, it made things an open market to be gobbled up and just turn the old slave owners into landlords. Yep. And that's – I. this I think is a really good – I think this sets a very good tone because this is, again, back in the pre-radicalized portion of of Du Bois and – yeah. I, I think it's still we can, pretty radical. We, exactly. We can already see the seeds of what is going to – of how he would think about, again, the, the thinking about where the burden for, for, you know, the, the plight of the black man in, in this yeah. time came from. So I think that's going to really inform where we're going. But we also have found, if nothing else, the man has a, the man has a propensity for dunks. He does. The man, the man <laughs> can take it from the free throw line and just, just throw it down. He um, does. So this is, I did, I did like the little rift at the Edward Booker T was the Joshua, this guy. I, God, it's so good. It's going to be good. But yeah, I think this is, I think this is good. Cause again, this is getting, this is a pretty yeah. good getting us into the right vibe for, for where we're going and what mm-hmm. we're going to do. And, uh, and the next, uh, the next time you, you hear us guys, it only took what, like six episodes. Episodes to finally prepare to read Black Reconstruction. Next week, we're going to read the damn book. Oh my God, we're, we're going to do it. Next week, we're going to read the damn book. Not tonight. No. Not tonight, because th- th- I forgot how hard podcasting can be. Podcasting <laughs> is labor, people. I'm sorry. I want a podcasters union. Uh, IWW, get, get at me. Um, we're going to talk to Oh, them. you guys missed it. I sat down in the pod cave, and I was like, so I know we're not ready to read the book yet. Nathan was like, no, we can we can get to the book today. We'll get to the book today. Like, you, Shut you, up. You're so good. I, I was you an optimistic know better. Fool. It's an optimistic you know better. Fool. We'll get better. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> next next week, we do two. Next week, we'll do. Next week, we'll record the first uh, mm-hmm. two hours of the book at yes. least yes um probably two hours let's yes. be real let's not let's not kill ourselves um we've got we've got two months before we've got to do another two six hour sessions back to oh, back yeah. to load up for nathan to take a month off <laughs> um on pod sabbatical that being said um thank you to everyone who has reached out on uh either either through itunes reviews and or yes. and or email uh, everyone that emails now and just has like so many good stories and information and backup if we do not get back to you immediately i apologize but we read all of them and love all of them um and and you are all cherished, cherished special members of the pod cave and we love you. Um, 
That being said, anyone that uh, wants to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Mark's Madness Pod at, on Twitter. Um, if you want to send us an email, it is Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. And our uh, Discord that we have hijacked and, and are occupying. Nathan is hijacked. I'm, I'm going to force David in there. Um, as occupying and, and living in as a hostile insurgent group is the dumb and awful discord. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, man, it's a trip in there. It's fun time. It has gotten so, so, so good and so comradely. Just so many. We had a, we had a comrade that got, uh, cuddled and taken in by, uh, oh, no. the cops, unfortunately, during a protest, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and just the, the amount of support that poured out and people that were able to come organize and help out. And just, I, I love that place dearly. Um, you're all, you're all great. Y'all know yourselves. Um, even, even the trots, uh, you, y'all know who you are, but <laughs> oh. I, that's, you've got to get in there, man. It's okay. so much fun. I know. Okay, fine. But you're saying things like even the trots, you're killing me. I come on. Trots all are right. people too. <laughs> Everyone's people. We gotta, we come on. Hot take from Nathan. Trots are people too. That's right. We're gonna get Nathan a T-shirt. Those trots are people, people too. I am. I am also wearing my my delightful from the dumb and awful store. My communist uh, like Thomas Nance propaganda piece hoodie that I'm very fond of. I love that very much. Um, but yeah, if you want to do that, do that. And uh, and yeah, next week. Also, at the time you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday. Um, which means yesterday, uh, day in the past, we will have recorded our episode with mandatory OT mm-hmm. on, uh, Kim Il-sung and, and Juch, uh, which if there's, if there's one thing that I think the people have been clamoring for, it is four Midwestern white guys to get <laughs> together and talk about Juche. I mean, they, they've been clamoring for it, uh, <laughs> and, and we're going to deliver it to them, but that should be fun. I, I think they release every two weeks. So I'm not sure how, mm-hmm. when this one sits in the pipeline, but I know they've been doing a lot of, uh, uh, North Korea centered episodes to like ramp up into this one. So, uh, check out the mandatory OT guys. Cause they are, they are absolutely comrades. They're fantastic working, doing work out in the, uh, West Virginia panhandle working with yes. the IWW. They yes. do, they do great stuff. So yes. that being said, David, you got anything else? Uh, no, I guess we should, uh, mention that I'm David. That he, he is David guys. I'm Nathan. Bye. Bye.